Holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G, a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. Pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. Check health stats, flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking, swimming, golfing, and more. Invest in yourself with tech made to crush goals. Holidays open up with Galaxy. Shop it all at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Products sold separately. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, it's Sam with Pro Wrestling Overtime. And yes, I watched Fastlane last Sunday. But I thought I couldn't sleep. I'll turn it on tonight. And I'm guess I'm pondering the tell of two different storylines and wondering why they were told that way. I'll take the first match first with Sasha and Bianca against Shayna and Nia. Due to them making this one of the main storylines, we have seen this match now twice on two different pay-per-views with Elimination Chamber and now with Fastlane. Could this have been an interesting story? Um, no. I don't I don't really think so. I wonder who is writing this and why. Sasha went at it with Carmella at two pay-per-views. And then it was almost like, well, she had the Hell in the Cell with Bailey. She had Survivor Series with Oscar. She's had two pretty good matches with Carmella. Now what do we do with her? We've got to get her in there. She's one of the best wrestlers in the world. And for some reason, not sure why, they want to hurry up women's storylines and not tell them through. They hurried the Bailey storyline and their friendship since 2014, put it into five weeks. They didn't build the Oscar match hardly at all. The Carmilla story was great, but at that point, they started wanting to throw Sasha with Bianca Belair and put Carmilla as Bailey's tag team partner. 
I was willing to to go along on the ride with that for the simple fact that they were telling a believable story. I thought that they would come back around, I guess, to the Bailey storyline. Never dreaming that they would end up dropping them both. Meaning that there may go weeks without us seeing them. Or we'll see them one week and we won't see them for two or three weeks. Or we'll see Bailey, but not Carmella. Or we'll see Carmella, but not Bailey. And of course, anybody that follows their social media or the dirt sheets, they're showing up every week. You know, Carmella's talking about it on her podcast. So, why? Why have we narrowed SmackDown to one storyline for the women when it was Bailey, Sasha, and Asuka, along with Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre? But it was Bailey, Sasha, and Asuka that carried them through the pandemic era when no one else knew what to do without a crowd. It was Asuka yelling in Japanese, dancing, uh, either in the ring to taunt her opponent or up on the announcer's table. It was Bailey and Sasha yelling at Michael Cole, mostly Bailey, but talking to each other back and forth. They made the pandemic memorable, bearable, and actually at times very exciting. So how do you go to Royal Rumble? You have someone who is a star in the making and Bianca Belair win the Royal Rumble. Everybody predicted it. Everybody knew it was going to happen. Yes, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I believe her feet hit the ground when her and Rhea Ripley went over and Rhea Ripley should have won. Uh, technically, they botched it. But, um, Bianca won. She's grown on me. I enjoy her. I haven't enjoyed the last month, though, for the fact that they have beaten Sasha Bianca to death. And I don't mean the storyline. I mean anybody they have taken on basically has beaten them to death. They have had so many losses. They do not appear strong. Why would you write that that way? It would have been better off for them to have two months of promos than to tell this Reggie storyline. Now, I had been yelling for three months to get Reggie off my TV. Or for Carmella to come and get her employee that I was done with him. She fired him. I marked out. 
And the next thing I know, he's ruining Raw. Well, Raw was already ruined, but that's a different discussion. So, somebody got the bright idea. We had Sasha and Bianca tag up for the tribute to the troops back in December. Let's do that again. Why? They're now facing each other at WrestleMania. They're not friends. Um, They've never been portrayed as friends. Sasha's never been portrayed as a mentor to Bianca. She didn't take her under her wing when she came up. Anything like that. Why would they all of a sudden be tag team partners? Unless someone made them. No one made them. Where is this storyline coming from? They then get the bright idea. Obviously, Reggie is a favorite of Vince's. I guess because he's a circus performer. I thought Vince really didn't like high flyers, but maybe he does. Somebody came up with this god-awful storyline and sold it to Vince, Bruce. Um, and I see it, and like I said, I'm sick of it. Do I want to see Sasha, Bianca, at WrestleMania 37? If you'd asked me that question in January, I would have said, oh yeah. Uh, Bianca is extremely athletic. The KOD is a nice move. She doesn't care to fly. Going up against Sasha. Yes, yes, I know She's only been in WWE when you sit down and think about it. Six years. Almost seven. But she has grown so much. If you go back and look at her very first match that she had in WWE. I'm not talking NXT. But the very first match she had in WWE to now. Unbelievable. Grown in leaps and bounds with her grappling game, with her semi-power moves, and her counter moves. But do I want to see it now? I'm not nearly as excited. I don't know... Did I want them to win the tag team title belts? No. They didn't deserve them. They're not a tag team. They're not even friends. They're nothing. So, no, I didn't think they should win it. So, you know, don't go there. No, I I had no desire to see Sasha Banks be two belts banks. But, I guess... They have just destroyed it for me. And I read one of the dirt sheets earlier, and it said, in order to save Banks versus Bianca, do they need to add Charlotte? I don't know. 
And I'm being honest. I Would that make it more interesting to me? Maybe. Because Charlotte has a connection with Sasha. They put on very good matches. Athletically, Charlotte and Bianca are similar. They're around the same height. I think that they would put on a good match. Can they put on a triple threat match? I don't know. Do I want to see that? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I think I would rather see Charlotte versus Bailey. Get them both on the card. And I'm willing to bet that Charlotte Bailey will steal the show of the women's matches. I'm I'm definitely willing to bet that they will outdo Oscar Rhea and that they will outdo Banks and Bianca. And maybe that's what they're afraid of. Why am I thinking all this? Is it because I read an article? No, I really wasn't even thinking about Banks and Bianca. I rewatched that match tonight. But it was when Seamus Drew came on that it popped into my head. They told this storyline over six months. Think back. Drew was dealing with Randy Orton, Keith Lee, and they were bringing Sheamus in as Drew's old friend of 20 years. We all knew it's WWE. Sheamus is going to turn on Drew. It was just a matter of when. But in the meantime, they portrayed them as friends. As going out and drinking buddies. They showed old pictures of them back in Europe touring. Them both coming to WWE. And they truly proved to us that they were friends. The whole entire time this storyline is running, Drew is fighting for the championship, he's defending the championship, he's losing the championship, he's gaining it back, but they still have this Seamus underlying storyline. And I love when WWE actually gets it right and does this. And there were times where you forget Seamus is going to turn because they wrote it out some. Then when he finally turned, we got to see Seamus again. And what I mean when I say Seamus again, if any of you are watching several years ago. They didn't really know what to do with Seamus. They wanted to do something with him. They weren't sure. They put him and Cesaro in a best of seven match, and everybody was like, I don't want to see seven matches of Seamus versus Cesaro. 
Yeah, that tune changed after match one. I literally was like, give me Sheamus versus Cesaro every single show. It That will be fine with me. They became a tag team, and they were one of my favorite tag teams, the bar. Well, they called on Sheamus again, and boy, he delivered. And I'm not just giving props to Sheamus. Drew delivered. They sometimes were the best thing on Raw. Sometimes they were one of the only things on Raw besides the Alexa, Randy, Bray saga that I even liked. Take on the New Day, you're going to see some great matches because the New Day is going to teach them different ways to put together matches and I think they will broaden the structure of matches of how the New Day puts theirs together. So, back to back, you had the UK Championship, you had the Tag Team Championship, and I thought, my God, they have set the bar. These two matches have made this a takeover. Then, we had the Women's Championship. And... From talking to different ones of you on Twitter, Facebook, different places, I think you felt the same way I did. It was such a letdown. It didn't have a big energy feel. I felt like EO was definitely off. And I don't know if that's because, you know, of the predetermined match where she knew she was losing. Io has a spectacular moveset. She is so smooth, transitions great, can almost make anyone look great. Something was off tonight. And I don't know if she's tired and needs a break. I I don't know. But something is was definitely off. And Raquel I think, came out with her normal badass attitude. But I almost felt like she was nervous. Like she... She wasn't as confident as I've seen her before. Uh, Especially taking on, you know, when she took on Rhea Ripley or she was in War Games. So this match, when they came out, I was just like, something's off. I had, you know, told everybody, I think the time is right. Raquel needs the belt. Io has had it long enough. Now, one of the arguments, discussions, uh, that I had tonight was, no, Io needs to continue with the belt. Raquel's not ready. She's too young. Um, she is not mature. She doesn't have a wide enough skill set. She only has, I think somebody said four moves or five moves. That may or may not be true. 
I think uh, Raquel is one of the most athletic big women that has come through in a while. She rates right up there with Rhea Ripley, who I believe is WWE's star that when the four horsemen start retiring, will take over. Um, However, it was time for Io to drop the belt. It's time for her to quit defending the belt and get into a storyline, maybe a grudge match, um, something. So this is where the discussion veered. A lot of people think Io Shirai is getting called up. And she may well be. I don't know. There are all kinds of rumors that night two of WrestleMania, she's going to show up and challenge Bailey. Would I like to see that match? Yes. Um, she is a great wrestler, but Bailey will take her to the next level. Bailey makes everyone look good. Period. And now that she is a heel, not only does she make them look good, she makes herself look good. And being a heel has opened so many more moves and tricks to her. And she has taken advantage of them all. Do I think we see that match? No, I don't. Maybe they'll surprise me. Maybe I'll be eating my words come Sunday. I don't think so, though. I don't think EO goes up to the main roster. Number one, I think she's too smart to go up to the main roster. I don't think she wants to. I think she enjoys being in Orlando and NXT being stable. I am 100% sure she has heard all the stories that go on on Raw and SmackDown of them maybe not getting matches together till 6 o'clock or 7.30 that finishes are changed 10 minutes before you walk out of the ramp. I EO is not used to that. They don't do that in Japan and they really don't do that a lot in NXT. I think she likes that. But the other thing, and that's what I brought into my discussions, EO does not fit Vince McMahon's idea of a WWE wrestler. Notice I didn't say a women's wrestler. I said a WWE wrestler. Her English, little spotty, She's great in the ring, but you've got to be able to cut promos. You've got to be able to interact with the fans. You've got to be able to be on podcasts, TV shows, talk to newspapers, radio. You you have to do all of this. You have to show up usually for access events, meet and greets, autograph signings. I think when Vince McMahon looks at her, he does not see a personality. 
And I think that's why EO's been down there so long. Is he is trying to draw a personality out of her. Will it come? I don't know. She may be totally satisfied being one of the best wrestlers. She's probably top ten wrestlers in the world right now in NXT. I don't know. There are rumors out there that she's really not that happy. And as soon as her contract runs out, that she is going back to Japan. I don't know about that either. I've never spoken to her. Um, I've never spoken to anyone that has been close to her. I can't help but think that she has seen Asuka and Shinsuke's journeys in WWE. But she also saw Carrie Sane. So, I just don't think she goes up to the main roster. I really don't. So, then the discussion turned to, you can't put the belt on Raquel. She doesn't deserve it. Well, why? Who else are you going to put the belt on? So, they... One name that gets thrown out there is Tony Storm. Well, that's great. She was on the kickoff show. She rated kickoff show. Didn't rate a grudge match. Didn't rate a storyline. Didn't rate anything. She rated kickoff show. That's what NXT thinks of her. Who else? There are certain people I believe have hit their ceiling. I never thought that that I would say that, but Ember Moon, Dakota Kai, Candice LeRae, they've hit their ceiling. They're not going up to the main roster. Probably ever. Um, Ember, I think, was up there. I don't think they were impressed. She got hurt. She is still having problems with that injury. You can see it in the ring. She's not confident and she's slower. And I think that she is compensating for that. I think Xavier Woods, who had the same injury, came back faster than her. And she felt like she had to come back. I think NXT was hanging their hats on Tegan Knox, Casey Catanzaro, um trying to think Rhea, um Raquel. And there's one more that I was I thought of earlier and I'm drawing a blank. But I thought those five women in NXT is hanging their hats on for the next year, year and a half. Problem is, Rhea got called up. She just exploded into a superstar. They couldn't keep her down there anymore. It was time. I know she's 24 years old, 25 years old. Don't argue to me that Raquel is too young when Rhea Ripley is going to take Raw by storm. Um, Tegan, of course, got hurt again. Casey Catanzaro... 
um, got hurt. They've placed her in a tag team where, you know, she's not... Oh, Shotsky Blackheart was the other one. I think those five they were planning on hanging their hats on. Um, out of this next crop, of course, uh, I guess her new name is Frankie Monet. Um, Tyra Valkyrie, I think, is going to make a splash in NXT. They're definitely going to be able to hang their hat on her. She is an unbelievable wrestler, worker. Uh, watch any of her AAA stuff. Watch any of her Impact stuff. I mean, very good. Makes others look good. I have not seen the new Japanese story that they just signed. Um, I, if I mispronounce it, uh, I am sorry. Is it Sorin? I think um, I haven't seen a lot of her. I've seen one match. So, looking forward to seeing her. But I think in the women's division of NXT, and they keep calling it one of the best divisions in all of wrestling. No, no, no. That's your main roster division. That's not NXT. Not anymore. Um, I think they've made some bad signings, or people haven't developed the way they thought they would. So, those were some interesting discussions, interesting matches. I felt like two out of, what, the six that we saw tonight were great, very good matches that were takeover worthy. I'm glad Raquel got the belt. I hope she loses it by SummerSlam and they pull her up. Um, She is talented. She needs, in the next, what, six months, four months to work on her promos. And deliver them forcefully and confidently. I can't wait to see her come up. But, um, I just felt like that, you know, those four other matches just brought down the night. And I can't help but look forward to tomorrow night. And wish maybe they would have sprinkled some of the matches tonight over in tomorrow night. And then had some of tomorrow night's matches tonight. I know why they loaded up tomorrow. They're wanting everybody to join Peacock. They're wanting to show off tomorrow night. They know, other than the collective, um, and um, I believe Matt Cardona's um, show is tomorrow, but it may be earlier. I think... There's not anything else on, so they thought, and they think NXT is just going to draw a lot of viewers. They've got a heck of a roster to do it in, and that's the next episode. I'm going to talk about the shows for night two and do some predictions for you. But the very first prediction I'm going to give you right now. I don't think they do as well as what they think. Because when they made this decision, they forgot that Bloodsport 6 starts tomorrow night at 8 o'clock and the roster of matches for that show 
is unreal. And in another episode, we're probably going to talk about that. Um, Chris Dickinson, Calvin Tateman, Leo Rush. The main event is Josh Barnett, who runs and is the known name in Bloodsport, taking on undefeated and resident badass John Moxley. And I'm predicting the upset. Anyway, I'm going to let you go. Some of you are listening to this at lunch. Just know that I haven't been to bed yet. And I will be talking to you guys soon. Write me if you feel like arguing or you want to discuss anything. Yes, I'm making finger quotes. Um, But I will talk to you guys soon and I'll see you down the road. Shop on eBay this holiday season to get more for your dough on stand mixers Mm. or get more for your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear. And on eBay, you can even get more (gasps) bling for less cha-ching on jewelry. You can get more because you save more on premium brands with eBay's exclusive deals. Get more when you get it on eBay. This is Doug Maurice from the College Football Survivor Show. And if you care about the college football playoff, this is the podcast for you. My co-host, Shahan Jeharaja, and I have been debating the college football playoff since August. And now we're in the heart of the rankings debate. Every week, we welcome teams into our playoff discussion. We kick teams out of our playoff discussion. And we debate the best teams within context of each other. Where's the committee getting it right and getting it wrong? No one knows the playoff like us. Join us on the College Football Survivor Show.